Hey, fellow Painless Podheads. It's Chris Hartwig from Painless Networking here for chat two of four from four great sit-downs during Northwestern University's Masters in Sports Administration Facilities of the Future Symposium back in late June. This is uh, the fabulous 50 right here, 50th podcast for the Painless Pod. Can you believe it? The big 5-0. Thanks to all of you for listening, sharing feedback, and the awesome sponsors who've made the Painless Podcast possible. Support them as they've supported us. The B of A Shamrock Shuffle, folks at Chicago Sport and Social, Monroe Star Web Design, Chicago Beer Classic, Spikeball, IEG Sponsorship Conference, the Hot Chocolate Races, Big Love, to all of you. Thank you so much. All right, enough of the love fest. Let's get going on the Golden Pod. Uh, it's really a terrific chat today with John Nemeth, Director of Sports Americas for AECOM. He's worked on U of I's Assembly Hall slash uh, State Farm Center now, renovation, the amazing University of Oregon Night Arena, and as part of the huge LA Stadium and Entertainment District work that's uh, taking shape in uh, downtown LA right now. This architect and urban planner from the great state of Wisconsin explains how he got started on his path and how he ended up with this job that he loves. He also has some awesome mentoring advice for both sides, mentor and mentee. So check it all out. Um, The other three episodes will also be worth your ears. 49 is already up with Sally Fulp, who heads up Learfield's Campus Plus organization. And then uh, coming up, by this time next week, we'll have episode 51 with Andy Totten, the VP at McHugh Construction, their United Center work, uh, Bulls, Blackhawks practice facilities, currently doing the Navy Pier build, uh, hotel build, that is right now. And then 52 is here from uh, some students, or recent students. Fourth and final from the uh, NUMSA event will be in recent grad, Jane Olbringer. She is an up-and-comer in sports biz. If you don't know her already, you should. She works at Learfield and also dedicates a ton of time giving back through the WISE organization. And then uh, the uh, second guest will be, uh, I believe she's now graduated or uh, maybe this fall. She's close and works at Northwestern. uh, And she's the president of the MSA Leadership Council. It's Julia Millen. Hear from both of them of why they went back to school and a grad program like this. I have to say a big thanks. Jane and Julia were the ones who helped make this happen along with their advisor, the MSA a group is uh, Doug Bacher. Thanks, Doug, as well. And one more real quick heads up before John grabs the mic. Please set aside Wednesday, September 5th from 530 to 7.30 p.m. and join us for our next Painless Chicago get-together. Entrepreneurs creating impact, networking with a purpose. I love it. It's uh, presented and hosted by World Bicycle Relief in the what you call now the Google building there at uh, Morgan and Fulton Market in Chicago's West Loop. Join us and uh, get some networking in with some great people and also hear from some smart, clever, funny even, super successful, definitely entrepreneurs who will share some of their success in building brands, you know, not just a a communal sense, but a giving back sense. And that's FK Day, co-founder of SRAM Corporation here in Chicago. And then uh, World Bicycle Relief, FK talks of, uh, you know, it's, it's an inspiring story. They build the SRAM brand and He's taken that success to then create a life-changing impact with World Bicycle Relief, uh, getting getting bikes to f- folks that desperately can use them 
and uh, B of A Chicago Marathon race director Kerry Pinkowski. Known Kerry a long time, great guy, and uh, he's already—he's a friend of the pod. He's been on before. He's going to join us and talk about building up the marathon from a, a little local race to a top global event, and also using that to do good. The Chicago Marathon now uh, helps annually generate millions and millions of dollars for amazing charities. So good stuff. Join us for that September 5th. Get the ticket link either at the painless.network calendar or worldbicyclerelief.org. They'll have it as well. Hurry, though, because space is not limitless. You want to make sure you reserve your spot and catch us for some great networking, inspiring chats, and a peek at the cool space for SRAM and WBR. All right, let's just get this thing going. Let's get connected with John Nemeth. And we'll welcome John Nemeth. He's the director of Sports Americas at AECOM, based in Kansas City. Stopping by today at the uh, Northwestern MSA Symposium when we're talking about future of facilities and uh, had a great panel discussion and had some interesting stuff. I've got more notes on to go a little deeper with John about here. But before we do that, John, can you give us a little bit of, uh, you know, the top line of what it, what the heck is director of AECOM Sports <laughs> Americas? You know, big, big companies, big titles. Yeah. Basically what I do, um, you know, architect by training, uh, actually, architect and urban planner by training, but in our organization, AECOM is very unique in that we do everything from beginning to end. So we do economics, feasibility, pro forma. We do in, in, you know all kinds of, of upfront engineering, engineering analysis, civil engineering, utilities. Well, you name it through traditional design. Um, building engineering and then construction. And in some cases overseas, we actually operate sports venues. So my, what, what my role is really is, is everything up to construction. So any of okay. the front end work related to sports facilities sort of help with strategy, overall o- oversight of that. And America's is, is as simple as, um, you know, I have peers, two other peers around the world. And it's just, how do, if you need us, how do you find us? And so we've sort of organized mm-hmm. by almost by vertical swaths of the globe. So if, if someone's looking for something in North or South America, they can call me and then I can get them to the right expert somewhere to help them with what they want or, you know, peel them somewhere else around the world, depending on where they're trying to, right. to do their work. You, they, they can, at least you're the good starting point for yeah. them. And, um, you, you mentioned a little bit quickly, you both architecture, urban planning background, right? So you went to Wisconsin, Milwaukee, which has great engineering, architectural, urban planning uh, reputation from from what I understand. Is that true? Or, you know, or yeah. is it? Uh, Everybody know. thinks their school is fantastic. And so I'd say <laughs> as I travel more, I found a lot of other schools that are really fantastic, too. But. It, it was it was great for me. Yeah. You know, now, are you it, it from great. Wisconsin originally? I am. I know. Uh, okay. So that's how we were having the Green Bay Green Bay yes. discussion was uh, as an example. Okay. Now, um, and are you a Packers fan? I am a Packers fan. Okay. Well, yeah. we'll have to just look over that. But, but I worked at Illinois, so we have something in That's common. True. See, everybody, That's true. Everybody can find common we, ground. We talked a little bit about that. Yes, everybody can find common ground. That uh, That's as an example, though, of this work that you are involved in, that you were involved with the Assembly Hall, now State Farm Center, renovation that began really looking at it as far back as like 02, yeah. and it opened in six. Team? Yeah, I right? always I always get it, it. It opened three times because we had we had yeah, six phases of construction right. that happened in between seasons. But the final final opening, I would I would say was sixteen. And you're, so you're doing that as an example of a 
I would call it a retrofit. It's probably not the right terminology in the business, but there's that huge project. And, and then, uh, of course, other kinds of rehab, refurb, um, upgrades. And then you're starting from scratch too. Like yep. the, um, you were involved with the night arena at the university of Oregon, for yep. example. Right. So it's, it's a wide range of that. Well, my question then, and I think people listening always like to understand, well, that's a cool job. That seems to be doing really, really fun stuff. And how the heck did he get there? So what's as, you know, when you were at Wisconsin, Milwaukee, what were you thinking? I want to be this when I grow up. And, and you know, how has that path sure. changed or have, how have opportunities presented themselves? It's really, I mean, it's really simple. And like we were talking before we started recording, you know, the whole notion of networking and, and how do you stay involved? It's sort of two, a couple of really simple truths. Number one, my mom made me do it. So she started initially. She made the appointment at the architecture school and said, you like to draw, build, get your hands dirty. So maybe this would be for you. So my mom took me there first. The second thing that I, I, I gave a speech to a bunch of high schoolers a number of years ago, the second thing that's really important is having someone along the way be a mentor or somebody who believes in you. And it's, it's hard. You know, finding a mentor is easy. Finding someone who believes in you maybe is harder. But that person who inspires you to reach, exceed, try. And then, and then networking. In college, you know, our program, we're more in grad school, but I, it was a friend of a friend who got me the job. It was another relationship I had in grad school that got me the, actually got me to Kansas City in the job that I'm in now. And so that, that, that middle section of, I, I don't want to say like, you know, college, go party, but, but okay. make friends, you know, be conversant. And I think the, the hard part for everybody is to walk into a room full of strangers and just start talking mm-hmm. and realize everybody in the room is just as nervous and, and scared as you are. So put yourself into that and make friends because you never know where those relationships will take you. But then the, the third part was, um, you know, kind of building on that, never be afraid to put your hand in the air, never be afraid to try, push your boundaries. I mean, technology today is so much easier where if you don't know, chances are on the internet, you can find something to get you. So constantly push yourself just because you don't know, or you've never done, or you've never been, shouldn't be an excuse for trying and pushing yourself into things that, um, you know, make you, make you expand your knowledge. And I think maybe the last thing is I sort of was reflecting on that question a little bit. I think everything I've been motivated by today was, a, you know, a failure on a, a youth tennis court when I was like 13, that notion <laughs> of like not being in a moment and letting your emotions get the best of you and not like not performing in the moment the way you wanted to. And then reflecting on that, whether it's in college or in front of a client and saying, you know, today I'm actually going to crush it and not have any regrets about, I wish I would have not been nervous or I wish I would have not let my nerves take over. And just really kind of thinking about that and then willing yourself to be good. So tell me a little bit more about that, of that experience then. That's great self-awareness. Uh, to, to make some of that realization. How, how did you do that then to get over that next time of keep the emotions in check or, uh, you know, own the moment? Is that, what was that? I mean, it, it couldn't have been like, well, maybe it was with you, but it, most people, it's not just like that. Like, how did you start down that path to, to being better about that, not losing yourself like that? Sort of probably undiagnosed OCD and maybe a real competitive. <laughs> like Some people who know me would say I have an enormous chip on my shoulder. But I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know the exact moment of realization. But, you know, younger person talking over beer or coffee, and it's like, look, if I ever get that shot... I'm going to take advantage of it. And you watch other people who maybe didn't or weren't as exciting or weren't as enthusiastic or charismatic and just say, look, if I ever get in that room, 
and that's my one chance. I'm going to kill it. And, and just, it's, it, it is a bit of an awareness. And I, it was funny cause I, you know, as a hobby, the last handful of years, I've started doing these sort of weird endurance, long endurance and cycling events. Oh, wow. And Rebecca Rush, queen of pain had just posted a quote about, she just finished this 300 she won the inaugural 350 mile dirty Kansas XL thing. And I, I don't, I've never win that, but <laughs> she, she talked about how being motivated as a uh-huh. kid. And this is a woman who's accomplished everything as an elite global athlete. And she said, I'm motivated by quitting when I was a kid in soccer and she's like, the pain that you suffer in a moment or the effort or whatever it is that you're going through in that moment is far easier to rationalize than having to explain to everybody later why you quit. And it's, there's a, there's a, there's a certain, there's people like us, and I, I don't know that I'm quite like her, but people like us, that's really warped. And in, in business, you know, the people who work really hard and travel really hard and are really driven and people are like, oh, don't, nobody's like you. I'm like, well, that's fine. But that, that, it, it, there, there's a mindset that either you have to, train yourself to get into or you're born with it or what I I'd like to think maybe it was a combination of both. I was born with it. And then through those motivation, those people, mentors, it sort of found something that was hidden and then channeling it better. Cause like as a, as a parent, when I have kids now and my one daughter's a teacher, I don't know what the other two are going to do, but you have that conversation. Look, when you're in front of your students, just remember good, bad, or indifferent, the class is going to end, the presentation is going to end, the speech is going to end, and you've got that moment. What are you going to do with it? Because mm-hmm. it's still going to happen in 30 minutes or 30 seconds. No matter what, you're going to go through it. And how do you want to feel on the other side? And then think about that before you start. That's great advice. Now, did you, going into the the your, uh, after mom told you you had to go be an architect, what, uh, you know, what did you think you wanted to do? Were you saying, Hey, I would like to go build stadiums or were you just, you know, it was far less sophisticated. No, at that it, point? What, what I got, when I got motivated, I got motivated to do really, really weird, creative stuff, really far reaching creative things. And then when I got into urban planning, was that, sorry, was that self-motivated or um, did you end up like with a certain just, a teacher or yeah, a class a, a te- that it just a, a like, couple of professors that again, sort of took an interest mm-hmm. and challenged and then challenged me to do and challenged me to do. And, and I just, I found the really, really far creative, hmm. um, explorations, like really weird stuff. I really found an interest in that. And then I always liked big scale. I like cities. I like, I like mm-hmm. that stuff. Um, and so then when I got my, my double masters in, in planning, urban planning, policy analysis and architecture, uh, my thesis was like redoing downtown Milwaukee and I, oh, like, wow. I liked big things. Uh-huh. And so when this opportunity, I didn't know what sports architecture was, okay. but when I got the opportunity to do that, it's like, okay, so every one of my projects is going to be like six city blocks. Oh, that's really cool. I don't, I don't know anything about it, but I like it and I'm going to get into it. And so then it, yeah, it just sort of the same thing. I put myself into it and it found a passion and I just sort of kind of kept going with it. So when you graduated, I, I see there was a job with a, uh, Plunkett Rasich Architects is down here for almost two years or so. And then Ellerby Beckett, which is a, which is now part of ACOM. Yeah. And they are up there with a very, very limited amount of other uh, companies that I would say is peers or competition. And they were very well known even at that point, right? Was that a goal at some point to end up there? Um, you know, was that any path like, oh, that would be cool to be with those guys? Or you mentioned something about this whole introduction in Kansas City or something. Yeah. How did that come about? Because I think sometimes you're talking about there's some, there's absolutely focus, but there's absolutely, and, 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 and some drive, but there's, 
luck. Now, some of it is making luck and being aware through networking or whatever for these opportunities. What was this to end up at a place like that? How did that happen? Yeah, again, it was just, it was, it was really that sort of chance personal connection. But then, you know, when you're in school, whether it's whatever your, your area of emphasis is, if it's journalism or business, there are people you, you read magazines, you look up to people, people in the news. And I remember seeing, as a young architect, the, the the design magazines that LRB Beckett in Minneapolis was doing really cool stuff at the time, very cutting edge with computer technology and computer modeling before we even knew what those things were. Uh-huh. And so there was a there was a brand affinity um, about the firm. I didn't know much about them, but I knew they did really cool stuff. Mm-hmm. And so then being in that environment and getting to work with some of my you know early architectural heroes, that was kind of cool. But honestly, you know, I've always told people like I'm a I'm a I'm a white squirrel or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I've had one job really. I mean, the the internship that was an internship. So that was in really college. an internship. Okay. And I, I worked for a couple of months before I ended up in Kansas City, which is also a really funny story. But um, I've only had one job, and it's always because the company has given me either deliberately or or by accident opportunity. Mm -hmm. And I've always told people, and I've even, you know, like young kids in our office, I'm like, opportunity is worth far more than salary. You can choose, Mm -hmm. but opportunity will to do what you want and go and grow your career. This, the money will follow. It really will. But the ability to sort of chart your own path and work in an organization within a, a high degree of autonomy, there aren't many places you can do that. You can get a raise and then you come in and all of a sudden there's all these constraints. But I've stayed at, at LRBA. It was a great firm, you know, and, and we sold the company on our 100-year anniversary to Ecom. But it was about that opportunity. We as owners said, what do we want to do with our firm? And Ecom gave us the best opportunity to right. elevate where we couldn't get on our own or where we didn't think we could get on our own. And then it's been the same thing, working within a company, building relationships and networks, and, and then people believing in you and giving you enough rope, not to hang yourself, but enough <laughs> rope to see what happens. Yeah. And then you succeed and they give you a little bit more rope and a little bit. Sometimes they pull the rope back. But I, you know, I've been really fortunate to work with people who give me a lot of opportunities. Yeah, to, was that like, how did you learn that? Did you grow up, you know, talked about your mom pushing you and joking about that. But I mean, is that almost sounds like a teacher... Uh, kind a of a background that you learned some of that, right? And then other mentors, like either professors or other people, like you said, it was very cool. You basically had to work with some of your yeah. heroes in the business. Did they teach you some of that of, uh, of how to then hand that down, how important culture is and connecting with the actual people and the ideas? No, it, or it's, I mean, you, I, some of it is you're lucky to be wired like that. I, I don't know. I, 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 I don't want to sell anybody short because, you know, I do believe in the, you're helped along the way. I mean, I had a coach, a tennis coach once upon a time who mentored me and, you know, would drive me to practice. And he, he like found ways to help me get to where I want, but he also didn't tolerate any of my crap. Mm -hmm. And that challenge of, Hey, wait. And he gave me a book on mental toughness before I even knew what mental toughness was. And so I, you know, 30 years later, I think about mental toughness a lot mm-hmm. in the context of business and presentation. And it's that same thing. Mm-hmm. But he introduced me to that concept as a 16 year old when I didn't really know what it was. And so I think there's all these little bits and pieces. But, you know, honestly, I think at the end of it, if, if I were going to say, hey, what what was the thing that ultimately, you know, sort of pushed it more in one direction than another was, you know, I had kids early mm-hmm. and I, you know, I, I worked my way through school. I put myself through and that was really hard and having kids that you wanted to do more for yeah. is a really motivating it's, it's you know like a lot of people get they, they, they get afraid and they don't take chances and risks mm-hmm. but for me it's been a huge motivating factor to be as successful as I can be realizing that when my kids are in a position where they're going to need something whatever that need might be 
networks, relationships, money, (laughs) you know, advice, I can give it to them. And that's, you know, that's not selling parents short, but that's the American dream about, you know, doing more than your parents did Mm -hmm. and then, you know, pushing your kids further up the ladder. And we're, you know, we're definitely, our family's definitely like that. And so it's, it was driving to say, look, I've, okay, I'm, I'm 25 years old, 26 years old when my first kid was born. Uh, the clock's ticking. I got like mm-hmm. 16 years, 17 years to get to a place where I can do something to help her, you know, and then next one comes along, next one comes along. And so that's a very motivating force. Mm-hmm. And you, I would say this, you make a lot of, of bad decisions along the way, but in the end, I've, I've told all my kids, I'm exactly where, we are exactly where I wanted us to be hmm. when I was 26 years old. In other words, being able to help you or give you advice or whatever it is, yeah. we're there. I could, there's more we could do, but it's... It's good career advice sometimes is have that family young and motivate you well, to do more. Yeah, <laughs> there's very few more uh, th- things that would be more effective than that. I think the key, though, is, and this is a beautiful thing that, that you've done, is you've used it, uh, you've used that motivation properly versus, like you said, some people can get basically, for lack of a better term, freaked out about it. And it's, okay, well, this is, it's better to just stay here because this is comfortable, even though I don't like what I'm doing or how I'm being treated in my environment or whatever, but I don't want to, you know, get outside the comfort zone. I think that that's, if you can be constructive and use it like, okay, well, now I got people counting on me, let's go kick some ass. Yeah. That's great to be able to do that. Do you think that the, I mean, that is also something a lot of people, I think, frankly, tend to be wired with. I mean, have you struggled with any of that at any point that you found, you know, like you said, this book about mental toughness, is there anything that sometimes when you're like, oh, I don't know if I can do that. Have you had any ways to trick you and your OCD self into <laughs> believing that, oh, wait, hey, I can do this? Um, you you know, I think, you know, and again, in fairness, I've, I've done it inside of a company. I've never, you know, planted my own flag. I mean, I've, I've owned part of a firm, but I, I always sort of be careful because I have some friends who are good entrepreneurs who have planted their own flag. And, you know, what, I've, what I'm doing is very different than what they're doing. But um, I think fear is a good motivator, you know, and then overcoming fear, um, you know, because there's always going to be self-doubt. There's always going to be something. There's so, I don't even know what it is, but you just have to push through that. You know, and sometimes it's like, like I say, you have to make tough choices some days, um, you know, in, in search of whatever that is, either that goal or whatever. And I know that's very cliche, but to push through that <laughs> right. and still drive, like, look, if I'm going to, if I'm going to be away today, then it damn well better be for excellence, not just for mediocrity. Yeah. So if I'm going to make, if I'm going to make that, if I'm going to pay that price, I'm going to pay that price with excellence, not with just being okay. And I think that's a, that's another motivating factor. It's like, look, if I'm going to do this, it's going to be worth it not just do it to do it and then be the cliche. Right. <laughs> there you go. So you now, in, in, in your wizened uh, old <laughs> age, dumb. we'll call it veteranship, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you, you probably are approached by folks or you even come across some folks that you're going, you know, hey, this I'm going to help this guy out or this, this gal here seems pretty sharp and I'm going to give her some, some advice or she reaches out to you. What in that role, the less dumb role, as I, yeah, as I would say as well, is you know what? What are a few key things that you say that, and it may not even be somebody saying, "Hey, I want to work at Acom," but yeah. like, "Hey, I want to," you know, "I'm looking to figure out what the heck I'm going to do." Is there anything that is a go-to, couple pieces, or a piece of advice you use well, right now? I think you know maybe go back to first principles. Just take an interest. If someone's reaching out to you, they think enough about you or your opinion or your point of view or experience is, so take an interest in them, answer the phone, return the call, return the email, you know, those little things that are, again, sort of golden rule type, do that, 
give, you know, have the coffee, um, make time to check in. I think all those little things, uh, the rest of it sort of evolves organically through Mm -hmm. the more you get to know somebody or you talk, but I think it's, it's just taking the time and then pay it forward. You know, someone, someone will do something for you. So just be mindful of, of, of always answering that phone or always answering that email or trying to be responsive, be decent, and then give that back to somebody else, whatever it might be. But, you know, I think the cool thing for me sometimes too is, you know, again, as you get through different experiences is then being able to reach back to, to folks that maybe were your peers who are going off and doing something mm-hmm. different and, and, and also not being afraid to ask others for perspective and just sitting down with somebody and saying, Hey, I have this idea. Let me buy, let me buy you coffee and hear what you think. about this. And I think, you know, it's some people like, ah, you're insecure. You're not like, no, I want to hear, I really want to hear other people's perspectives to either try and inform or validate or maybe adjust what I would actually argue that for somebody to be able to do that is 180 from insecure. I think you have to be actually very secure to be willing to shut up and listen and, you know, ask a few questions and shut up and listen and take some other advice in, or just, thought process. It doesn't even have to necessarily be advice, right? You take that into consideration. So anyway, I, I'm going off on my usual. Oh yeah. I've taken you way and, off. No, 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 no. This is, this is, you know, we're going to, this is going to explode listenership down in Kansas city. That's what I'm looking forward to. So, uh, because of, of time constraints and everything, I'm, I'll let you, I got to let you go. But before we do, um, certainly if there's anything else that you'd want to bring up, throw it out there. But in closing, what's the best way for people to find you, uh, reach out to you, to see if uh, uh, you know you've got yeah. some of that words of wisdom? Um, for them? You know, LinkedIn for sure, John Nemeth uh, on LinkedIn, Twitter, Johnny Muth. It's just John oh, Nemeth. Okay. John Nemeth with all with no spaces. It's it, that's a great one because when I like when I when I I tweet at Delta, they're like Johnny, how you doing? I'm like, no, it's Johnny, it's John Nemeth. But I like the Johnny Moth is my Twitter alter ego. John Nemeth is my real. But yeah, I mean, uh, Instagram, LinkedIn, email, John okay. John. Nemeth at acom.com. I'm every just like just you're it, all over the. You place. know what? I'll just call me. The, just, yeah, <laughs> just call me. I'll put your links to all that. Stuff. I don't know if I could get, fit all of them in there, but I'll, I'll put them all in the description. If you find me in one, you'll find me in the rest. And uh, yeah, so any other closing uh, words? or, uh, you know, go ahead. No, I think it's interesting. Like I say, I I have a a presentation later today and it's, 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 it's always interesting to have to try and talk about what you do because a, it makes you kind of reflect on is, is it, is it worthwhile? Is there value? Is it, is it interesting? Is it relevant? Um, and so I, you know, I, I have an affiliation with a couple of other sports business programs and I, I find these things really fascinating for me because it, it lets me challenge what I think I know probably as much or more than just doing the job because standing in front of the, the future leaders and they will call you out for nothing. <laughs> and I think, it, I think that in and of itself is fascinating. So I think, you know, not being afraid to go back into environments where you, you challenge what you think, mm-hmm. you know, and I think we're at it. It's such a, a, I don't know if precipice is the right word, but such a moment of phenomenal change and acceleration that, one of one of the new skills we're all going to need to have is constantly challenging what we think we know. Yeah, that's true because you fall into silos sometimes of of uh, you know having only a limited amount of time. You're listening to information from the people you want to listen to, potentially missing either another opinion or another way to look at things. And sometimes that's by choice because you, you know you got crazy people out there, but you also have a lot of you know, there can be validity to just about everything and maybe something that you could take from that 
could be a game changer on something you're working on or the way you look at things. So anyway, I'm done preaching. Uh, John Nemeth, thank you so much for sitting down for a few minutes and chatting with us on the Painless Podcast. Thanks for having me. Now, wasn't that a great chat? Smart guy, funny, great insights. Thanks again, John. And again, thank you to Jane and Julia and Doug from the NUMSA program for their assistance and uh, allowing me really to sit down with all these folks at their event and check the pod description for links you can use to connect with John, the NUMSA, and don't, uh, do not, easy for me to say, do not forget to get your tickets now for Painless, September 5th, World Bicycle Relief Headquarters in Chicago's West Loop. Easy to get to right off the Morgan Green Line stop, by the way. No excuses not to be able to get there. One more thing, if you enjoy the Painless podcast, please, please subscribe and or rate it both helps us grow the audience and uh, get us all connected with more good people all righty until next time friends it's chris hartwig saying stay connected